Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, 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 we're back, we're black, we're brown, it's Tiffany. What's up, y'all? It's Mandy. Yes, I've got some shady news, Mandra. Oh, please share. Let's kick so, it off with shade. Yes, because, you know, but it's like good shade, you know? Um, when bad things happen to bad people, I mean, I'm sorry, Jesus, just take a moment. Just give me a moment. So if you might, you might know, if you follow the budget, Nisa, that the- Haven't heard of her. <laughs> no idea who you're talking about <laughs> well the infamous start of the brand was like a really bad time so right before the recession um young budgetista myself i made the extremely poor choice to trust who was a friend of mine um with like how do you invest because back then i you know when you're like in your early 20s you think that if someone has a nice car and a nice apartment and all like really not like ferrari all that stuff i really thought that that meant he actually had money you know, he was like in his 30s and I was in my early 20s. I was like, wow, he's got money. Let's call him Bob. Bob's got money, you know. And so um, I bought, I just bought a house and I was saving. I was doing all the right things. And I said, I want to learn how to invest outside of, I, I had money in my retirement account. I was setting aside that, but I had excess money. And I was like, what do I do with this excess money? I want to learn how to invest. You know, who's independently wealthy? Bob. So I reached out to Bob and I had sucker written all over my face. Oh man, you went to him. Yes. So long story, very, very, very short. I ended up in 25,000, no, 25 to 30,000, well, $25,000 in debt. Um, I took money off of a credit card because we were going to invest it and put it back. I mean, I didn't even know you could take money off a credit card. Um, so he convinced me to do so. Meanwhile, but Back then, I had no credit card debt. I used to use, like, one card to, like, pay for gas and, and just pay it off every month. So I wasn't even familiar. And by then, too, I had paid off my um my undergrad student loan debt because it wasn't much. My I'd, I'd commuted from home, and my parents helped out. And so I, maybe I had, like, $5,000 in undergrad debt, so I paid that off. And I think I was still in grad school, so I didn't have – I was accumulating my master's debt, but I didn't, like, have it, have it yet. So anyway, I was basically, you know, pretty good. I, I had a home. And, um, so we did this thing and took the money off the car. He promptly ran away with it. Um, but before I realized he ran away with it, um, I bought, huh, I bought a online, see, this is, I was stupid on top of stupid. So I bought a, um, an online course from like a well-known, like financial expert that we all kind of know now. Um, I think it was like something crazy. It was definitely over $5,000 because I wanted to learn how to start a business. And I was like, look, I'm about to be rich, Mandy. Maybe don't, 
Don't you gas, Mandy. I, heard, I know how it ends, and I'm still just like on the end of my seat. <laughs> I'm about to be rich. I mean, according to Bob, we're about to take this money, and it's gonna the money's going to yield me $2,100 a week, Mandy, for two years. You do the math, Mandy. Sounds about so, right. Right? I was like, sounds about foolish. And I said, sure. And I'm not going to tell nobody because they're just going to rain on my parade. I'll let, them, I'll let it rain on them, and then they'll see that I was right. So this was, the, you know, 23, 24-year-old Tiffany thinking. Um, so, yeah, I, um, I, you know, gave Bob the money. He, but I didn't know he ran away with it at first because he said, I won't, I won't get my money for, like the first month. It'll start coming in after that. And then, um, yeah, so then I ended up, I didn't even use the car to like buy clothes or nothing like that. I literally bought this one course. So it took whatever it is. It was in the twenties that, that I took off to give to Bob. And it took me from that to 30 or $35,000 from no credit card debt to 30 or 35,000. It's been so long. And, um, so here I am taking this course, which was like, like it was weak at best. Um, but I'm like, you know, I wanted to prepare for this new money that's coming in that never came. And then after month one, Bob, where you at calling, texting, crying. I mean, like it took me a long time to really understand that Bob took my money because we signed a contract. I'm like, well, I have a contract. So, which meant nothing. Um, because Bob, like, you know, just ran away basically. And, um, I found that there was someone else that there was like a mutual friend that he'd introduced me to at some point. I reached out to him and he was like, Bob stole my money too. And I was like, wow. I said, well, I don't know about you, but I'm getting my money back. So for two years, really maybe like a year and a half, I pursued Bob everywhere he went, everywhere. I follow him on social media. I try to do pop-ups. I'm like, oh, you're going to be in Chicago? I don't even have the money for Chicago, but I'm going to see you. One day, Bob, you got to come by New York and I'm going to see you. And it never happened, even though he was terrible because this is what was so bad about Bob. It's not that he wouldn't pick up the phone, Mandy. Can you imagine? Bob would pick up the phone and be like, oh, I'm sending you the money tomorrow. Mm. Pick up the phone. Oh, you didn't get my wire transfer? It's in there. And then had the nerve to ask me at one point, um, oh, I got stuck in whatever country he's in. Could you just wire me like $1,500? And as soon as I get back, I'll have your money. I said, so I'm supposed to give you my $1,500 for my mortgage to you, Bob. And you have not paid me the $25,000 that you owed me. He was just like, no, it's only because I'm stuck here. I mean, if you want your money, I can't be stuck in whatever country that he's supposedly stuck in. Of course, needless to say, I did not give him the $1,500. I was like, Rob, give me my money! Um, so that went on for like a year and a half. I mean, so everything. Weird. It just was, I was also, hysterical at one point. Was he also one of the co-founders of the Fire Festival? Yeah, you know, he must, he must know that. Um, but the thing is, I've been to his penthouse. Like, he's had a party at his penthouse suite in New York. You know, I've seen him in his Ferrari. So I'm like, Bob's got money. Yes, other people's money. Um, and so, yeah, so that went on for like a year and a half. I never got my money. But it, then the recession hit. Then I, um, you know, so here I was, $35,000 in credit card debt. My student loans finally hit because I graduated. So 50-something thousand. And my um, condo, I could no longer afford. Two hundred and like twenty thousand. So I was like, you know, over over three hundred thousand dollars in debt and no income coming in, and it was just really devastating. I moved back home, started the budgetista. As I began to rebuild my life, I realized I wasn't the only one who needed rebuilding. And so, you know, because my father was an accountant and a CFO, and he had already sent me to all of these classes. I had all these like certifications, like when I was um, younger about how to manage our money. I, and so the investment part is the only part that we never really um, 
talked about. That's why I made that mistake. But anyway, I dug myself out. And as, as I was digging myself out, the teacher and me started helping my friends and then their friends and then their friends. And the budgetista was born, basically. So we, I think last week we talked about something and it made me Google Bob. I said, let me see. And meanwhile, so at one point I had to like, I had to release the expectation that I was ever going to get my money back. Like, um, I had gone, like a friend of mine was a lawyer. She looked over the contract. She said, did you read this? I was like, no. She's like, so apparently Bob is a citizen of France. Although, and so she was like, so this says you can sue him in France. I was like, oh, well, clearly I didn't read it. And so, um, and by then too, I had already spoke to Carlos, my accountant. And so what Carlos did was he's like this, we can start to write this off year after year as a loss. So I already, you know, I took the, you know, my, my taxes reflected this, this investment loss. And I said, okay. Um, so then I blocked Bob on everything because he was like weird. He would call me and reach out and pretend like he'd sent the money or he was sending it. And it got to be, honestly, it got to be, um, a lot on my spirit, you know, like, like expectate, expect, expecting like I was going to get the money didn't come. So I blocked him on the phone. I blocked him everywhere. But then like literally I haven't thought about him in like, I don't know, the last six, seven years. And then um, um, I did something we spoke about last week made me Google him. So apparently Bob has been scamming everywhere, which who's surprised. So Bob has scammed in Florida where I met him. He's on trial for that scammed in Georgia. But I remember he said he was, he like stayed a lot of time, like spent a lot of time in Atlanta and scammed in New York. But peep this. I mean, I'm sure Bob scammed regular people, but Bob being the fool that he is scammed the United States government. There is literally a, um, he's in federal prison right now, which I'm like, mm, look at that. Just dessert. Ooh, so where did they yeah. prosecute him? Was it in the States? Uh, uh, yeah. So apparently, Bob, um, so literally there's like a, there, like I, I was looking online and it says United States of America versus Bob, not his name, obviously. And apparently what he tried to do is um, he, um, um, they, they're prosecuting him for aggra- aggravated identity theft. Um, he tried to make false statements on a U.S. passport. So I don't know if, if he had been kicked out and tried to come back, um, but he tried to falsify and get like a fake passport, which is not super smart. And so um, you're not going to win against the United States government. And so he's now in federal prison because that is a federal you know, offense. And like I'm just reading all of this, like how he's fighting against it, saying he didn't know that he filled it out incorrectly by mistake. And they're like, mm, you travel to over 30 different countries and you're, you know, such and such years old, 40 something years old that like mm, that wasn't a mistake. You did it on purpose. Um, so, yeah, it looks like. And meanwhile, it's not just there. Bob also has pending cases in Georgia and New York. And I said, look at Bob. Mm. Well, scammers never cease. Oh, now I know what to brought Bob up because of the fire Festival talk. It made me say, let me see what my scammer is up to. So, yeah, Bob is riding away and I'm um, in prison. So hopefully, you know, he'll stay there for a long while. And um, I know like the people that he stole from will never get their money back. But hopefully um, it didn't set them back in a way that they never recovered. But hey, Bob, if they let you get Brown Ambition in jail. Tell your bunkmate I said, hey, no, let me stop. Um, but yeah, what it just shows though is that like, you know, eventually the things you do do catch up to you. Even you might not reap what you sow. Uh, well, you might not reap where you sow. Like I, you know, wasn't able to do something to him, but you definitely reap what you sow. So eventually his bad deeds caught up with him in another space and place. Well, I mean, I, I know not everyone has to endure what you had to endure on that level, but I think, I mean, don't feel bad, obviously. Um, 
I think the, the best of us can get scammed by people who sound like too good to be true. So at least he got his comeuppance. How many years later has it been? 10 years? I, I know. Isn't that crazy? Yep. 10 years later. So Karma's yeah. a bitch. Mm-hmm. But the lesson in all that, honestly, like you guys are always asking us questions and stuff like that. But And that's good. The lesson is to, you know, not take one person's word for anything. It's to do your own research, you know, like a wealthy investor is an educated investor. Like, you know, do your own due diligence, you know, that, and, and there's no shortcut to growing wealth. Like you have to participate actively in it. Yes. And ask your friends for advice, even if it's not what you want to hear. Cause my friends would have been like, are you kidding? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so another disturbing news, did you see Jesse Smollett from yes. Empire got attacked apparently by two white men in a subway? like the restaurant, what? Um, Late at night in Chicago, of all places, like they were wearing, they were allegedly wearing Make America Great Again hats and tied a rope around his neck like a noose and beat him up and poured bleach on him. And I'm like, were they following him? Why did they just happen to walk into a a subway restaurant at 2 a.m.? With a a a bottle of bleach and a rope? Like what? So details... Yeah, yeah, I'm sure more details will come out. But if it's if it's all true, it's really, really disturbing. Um, there's a picture of him. And he looks really bad. Like his face is all swollen and stuff. And that's just, I mean, that's what, that is the danger of all this. Like, you know, everyone asks, everyone thought that, you know, Trump was so innocuous and just uh, a sideshow, like a publicity sideshow slide or, you know, harmless. But he really gave... He really gave credence to the type of behaviors and hate speech that we're seeing now. And he kind of gave them permission, like these people permission um, to be more forthcoming with their beliefs and to really act on them, you know, because they probably see what happened in places like Charlottesville, where he, where our own president didn't want to denounce, you know, white supremacy and white supremacists who were, you know, at the forefront of that and probably think that they can get away with it now, yeah. like in the country that we're in now. And that's what's like truly dis- disturbing about something like this happening in 2018 in Chicago. You wouldn't think that would happen in Chicago. Yeah, I just, wow. 19, sorry. I'm like, what year is it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, wow, 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 wow. Um, I don't even know what to say. That's insane. I just can't even, uh, I just pray that he's going to be okay. Me too. I mean, I think I recently saw this play. There's a new, of course I did. I'm getting back into my Broadway groove. But I, there's a new show, a new musical called Choir, Choir Boy, which is about um, a teenager, a black – so it's about a, a, an all-black or majority black prep school for boys and about a, a graduating senior in the school who is in the choir and he's gay, not openly gay, but he's himself and he definitely presents as gay but hasn't come out and said it and it's kind of about – how his other classmates interact with him being um, openly but not openly gay. And I thought it was such a beautiful show when I saw it with a good friend of mine who I won't call out, but um, is a good friend of mine who grew up in the South, just like me being black and then, you know, had to sort of discover his sexuality over the years. And there's, it's already hard enough to be black. And then you throw in also being gay on top of that and the stigmas and the stereotypes and, you know, what you have to endure, not just from, just the general like homophobia that exists, but also within the black community on top of that, it's really hard. So like on the one hand, I was celebrating that play as, oh, this is a really, you know, this is the kind of musical I don't think could have been made 10 years ago. And look at the time we're living in and, you know, all happy with my friend. And then for something like this to happen, it's just sort of like, oh, okay. (laughs) It's still, 
it's still not like, you know, there's good with bad for people in that situation. Yeah. It's just so much like, you know, from, yeah, I just, there's just so much. You ever just feel like I just can't like from, R. Kelly, you know, that you heard at Sundance that there's this, like, a new movie about Michael Jackson. Yeah. Kind of like, yeah. And honestly, I'm not, Drina, um, y'all know, like, my best friend, but also my publicist is at Sundance. And she was like, the screening was, like, legacy shattering. Um, and, like, it was really bad. Like, seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, you know? And um, just payoff after payoff after payoff. And it's like, What? Is happening, you know? Where there's smoke, there's fire. Yeah. And it's just the continuous smoke over and over and over, you know? Yeah. Like, I know people don't want to hear it. They want to see it. It's just so much. And and you're just like, what in the heck kind of world, you know? That's why when people used to say, you know, back back in the day but when, uh, when uh, President uh, Obama was elected, there's no more racism. I was like, every black and brown person I know was like, what? Um, someone just called me the N word yesterday. What are you talking about? Just yeah. because people are not overt with it. But now I feel like so much stuff is coming to the light. Some people are flaunting their, their just foolishness. And some people it's just coming to light because people finally are sharing their stories of, of abuse. And it's like, Oh, what is everyone terrible? You know, but then you look at the people, you know, you're like, well, my husband's not terrible. I hope. I mean, I don't think, you know, and oh, you're just like, I know, you know, you just, I just feel like I'm questioning everything. I mean, I don't question Superman, but it's just that there's just so much happening. You're just like, how do you process all of this dismantling of all that you know, you know? I think just so. talking about it honestly and not ignoring it anymore and having the really uncomfortable conversations. And I feel like we've all been forced to have them over the past, you know, couple of years and especially with the Me Too movement and looking at what happened with R. Kelly, yeah, and, and, and whatever happens with Michael Jackson and even, you know, what happened with Kevin Hart and the Oscars, like everybody is just on a high alert. Um, and the and you're right, like the more people talk about it, the more we may have to look back and face uncomfortable truths like Bill Cosby, that all that whole thing happening. Um, I think just talking through it and also giving yourself the like no one has the answer. And I think, you know, there's no black and white with people. You can have people who do good things and then do really terrible things. You know, I know there was an interview with Harvey Weinstein's wife, you know, where she's talking about a great father he is. I believe that he probably was a great father, yeah. but also a sexual predator. Yes. Um, and that's where it's really. And if you if you haven't had someone in your life who's really been you know a, been one thing to you that's very positive and then to hear you know it's like when you I'm sure in every everyone's lives you've heard about a relative that you loved and like you hear bad things about them after they passed away or at the funeral or something like that you know it's maybe not to this degree but people are people have skeletons and yeah uh, we just have to be just I think it's it's almost good because we're kind of being taught not to think about people critically and not to take people at, like the, like your friend who you realized was a scammer. Mm-hmm. To he not, was so charming. Like you would yeah. be like, oh my gosh, I like your friend Bob. He's so charming. He's smart, well traveled. Like you would never, if let's just say this, if I would have never, um, if I would have never said, hey Bob, show me how to invest, and all of a sudden he didn't look at me as a mark before because I'm sure he was like, she's a preschool teacher, she doesn't have any money. You know, so um, up until then, if I would have never kind of like exposed like, hey, I have some money, me and Bob might still be friends today. I would never know that he was secretly stealing from people on the side. Yeah. You know, you know, so, yeah, that was one of the things that that was one of the things that struck me about the fire festival. I watched both the Hulu and the um, 
and the um uh, what was it uh, Netflix. Netflix. Mm-hmm. That everyone said that Billy, the guy who you know sparked this controversy, the 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 founder of Firefest, that that he was really charming, that he was cool. I mean, you could tell even in the way people spoke about him that they were conflicted. Like, oh, Billy was so chill, he was so cool, but my people didn't get paid. You know, so they were like, wait, it's the same guy. So yeah, it is very. I mean, there's a there's actually a book. I think I was like at Barnes and Noble this weekend, and it was like this book about how this young woman was raised by like um, a famous serial killer. And she didn't know until she like got older. She's like, wait, what? My, my dad was killing people because that was her dad. And as far as she could tell, he was a good dad, but it didn't mean on the side he wasn't killing people, which is so yeah. crazy, you know? Um, so yeah, it's just, I'm telling you, sometimes it's just like, who shall I? Think critically about the people you interact with, your financial planners, yep. like, every, you know, your accountants. Don't just, like, do your own research and your own vetting because, yeah, I mean, people are not always what they seem to be, especially if you have, if they have a way to gain from you and being attached to you, for sure. Speaking yeah. of people being taken advantage of, the government's finally not shut down temporarily, so Husbay's going to get a paycheck. Hey, I'm excited about that. Um yeah, that's all insane that it's finally kind of ending, but we don't really know if they're going to – because Trump could turn around at the end of these three weeks. What is it? We're back in session or uh, back – I think the government's back in full swing until like the 15th of February or something. Mm-hmm. But he could turn around and be like, nah, no wall. Okay, let's do another shutdown. Um, and that would just screw so many families up. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Yes, I just like, oh, but the fact that I'm just so glad that people are getting their back pay, but not contractors, which is hard, um, you know, but like, you know, employees are getting their back pay um, and so they can help to sort of like reset. But, you know, there, there is there are costs that you'll never get back, you know, because yeah. if you're, you know, if you're late and what if your landlord still charges a late fee and what if, you know, like there's there's extra interest on your credit card. So they're just. You never quite get back what you lost, but hopefully it can it can get as close as, as possible. Yeah, and if you're if you're a government employee and you and you're dealing with a bank situation where your credit card payment you won't be able to make it or something like that, just contact your bank because most of the 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 main issuers, the main banks out there, have programs where they will waive interest fees or waive late payments if you're unable to to make them. Um, even now, having to having missed two paychecks. Um, with the shutdown. So contact your bank and, and at least try and get some reprieve until that paycheck comes. Hey, BA fam, this episode is sponsored by State Farm. Are you a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers. They're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
questions? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I felt you fading. I got no, you. I, I know. You know, I usually do the transitions. But yes, questions, especially. I know we have some good ones. I'm glad that you guys are hitting us back up in the inbox because we really love your questions. Yeah, please send us your questions. You can hit us up at brownambitionpodcast.com. Dot com. Oh, you went for my dot com? <laughs> I'll edit that out so it wasn't as long. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Leave me hanging. Um, brownambitionpodcast.com or send us an email at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com. You can okay. remain anonymous. Just let us know. And uh, we love your questions and they, they're always really interesting. And I've got a couple of – let me – shake up the reader mailbag right now or listener mailbag. So we have one question from someone who'd like to remain anonymous because she is a government employee who's mm. been impacted by the shutdown. So here's what um, this listener has to say. We'll call her Alana. Alana says, I'm a federal employee for the Department of Defense, so I'm not affected by the shutdown personally. They, she must have been considered a, an essential employee and been able to get paid. However, we are only funded through the 30th of September, 2019. As a pessimist, I'm already having anxiety about what happens come the 1st of October if this shit show shutdown, her words, continues and we do not have funding. I'm definitely a pay the rent, keep the lights on, have food and transportation type of person, so credit debt will immediately fall to the wayside for me so that necessities are met. My questions are, what's the best way to save more money so I'm okay if something happens and there's another shutdown? When should I start saving money and what's the best way to manage credit card debt when you're trying to prioritize other necessary expenses, if something like a shut, shut shutdown were to happen and you're suddenly not getting a paycheck anymore, mm-hmm. good questions. Like, yes. personally, I'm really I'm not happy about the shutdown by any stretch, but I think it's a good reminder and a good wake up call for a lot of families that you know unexpected, like even your government job can be unpredictable. And for people working in the private sector, we live with that fear every day too, because we were for public companies, they could decide, oh, I don't need a content team anymore. And bye, Mandy. Um, And I need to have my, you know, I need to have my savings on the side to cushion that blow. So it's a good reminder that you need to have at least a couple of months worth of emergency savings set aside. And like the best time to start is yesterday. Yep. Pretty simple. All right. I agree. Also, I would say this then, knowing what um, the, one of the biggest mistakes I made um, during the 2008-2009 recession is that um, I didn't adhere to my noodle budget faster. Like we talked about, I think last week, I don't know if we talked about it, but anyway, your noodle budget is um, your ramen noodle budget, meaning that your, your lowest common denominator, what's the least amount of money you could spend to maintain your life? So that you only do that during extreme hardship, like government shutdown, historically long, you know, so it's not something that you do regularly unless you really can't afford life. So I wish I would have, because what I did instead was I continued my lifestyle and I like, I, I depleted my savings, um, to continue my lifestyle because I just knew relief is coming around the corner. Relief is coming around the corner. And so in the meantime, I depleted my savings. Relief didn't come around the corner. Um, I ended up spending all this money on a house that I ended up losing anyway, like tens of thousands of dollars. Um, and I could have used that money to set myself up more solidly someplace else. So if I was in this position now, knowing that February, like he's giving you a date. So I would not be aggressively paying down debt. That what's really important right now is having access to funds. So I'd be paying the minimum to my credit cards, saving, 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 activating my 
relative noodle budget, like, you know, so meaning like, let's cut some of these things down until after February 15th and let's just see what happens, you know, because I would want, I want you to have more money on hand. So if a shutdown does happen again, you have a little bit more space to, um, to, to breathe, you know, that's what I would do, especially since, you know, you have a date. Yeah, hundred percent. And you don't have to, you know, you don't have to let the big goal of a few months worth of savings frighten you and make you feel like you'll never get there. Just start saving something now. You know, something is better than nothing. You know, I, I still to this day have an auto savings um, amount that automatically gets sent to my savings, like at a minimum. And then sometimes I add more on top of that. But that just, you know, that whole set it and forget it thing is really crucial for my own success. And she also talked, and Tiff, you've mentioned that before in terms of what happens when you don't have money in the bank and you have all these competing priorities like home, food, credit card bills, maybe utilities, things like that. And how do you sort of um, prioritize when there's just not enough in the bank to cover everything all at once? Honestly, well, you have to prioritize like your, um, your basic necessities, right? So food and someplace to live. And so for me, I moved back home, but you might not have that option. You know, you might not have the option to move with a cousin or a friend or whatever. So making sure that one, the the money that you do have, um, that you put it toward what's going to maintain basic life. Like you have to have shelter, you have to have food, um, and you have to have like some sort of way to get to work. So maybe it's you know I'm gonna I'm gonna be able to take the train to work. But so it it might mean credit cards don't get paid. It might mean. Verizon doesn't get paid. It, and I had to make that decision that you guys are not going to, it was like the hardest thing because I'd never not paid. Um, where I didn't have it. So I was like, you're just not going to get paid. I have to pay the things that keep like that sustained basic life so I can live healthy. I have enough food to eat. I have a safe place to stay. Um, and then as I got myself on my feet, I went back to like negotiate new terms to settle some things. I mean, my credit score before the recession was an eight eight oh two, and then after it was all said and done, I went down to a five forty seven, and I was like, oh my gosh! So it took two years to rebuild it back up to like a seven seven fifty. Now normally you don't, it doesn't take as long, but I had so many dings. It took two years because it, your credit score is really an average of your choices. Um, so I had a lot of bad grades on my credit credit report, and so it took a long time to build myself back up. And now, despite having a foreclosure and late payments in the past, I'm back in the eight hundreds. So I just say all that to say that sometimes you have to make the decision of who is not going to get any money. And one of the things I did, so I decided that my mortgage wasn't going to get paid because I just didn't have it. But I had enough for the rest of my bills. I was on unemployment. So I said, okay, Tiffany, you're getting about $2,000 a month. Your mortgage is $1,600. The rest of your bills is about $1,600, $1,700. You're getting $2,000. So guess what? I'm not going to pay my mortgage. I'll pay the minimum to the rest of my bills. I'm going to tell student loans to kick rocks for a moment. And put you on deferment, and and this is what uh, how I'm going to um to live until I get on my feet. And so, but the mortgage company was brutal. They used to call me every day, and it was so stressful until I found a cease and desist letter. I straight Googled it. I went to the local Staples and faxed them, please, you're no longer allowed to call me. Literally, just a, a Google search for that. That you can contact me via email and via letter. Because at least, you know, you can kind of stop the the constant pressing of like, I know I owe you, but to call me every day, it's too much. And so you're able to do that as well. Just because you owe someone doesn't mean they have the right to harass you. You know, I mean, you're, you know, obviously you're, you're wanting to pay, you just don't have it. And so, like I said, eventually, you know, they stop because by law they have to, if you send a cease and desist letter. 
Um, and then eventually, you know, I worked, well, I wasn't even able to work something out. I just took the house. Yeah. So I think it's, I mean, it's, there's so many ways to answer that question and like how you prioritize, but sometimes things have to fall to the wayside and you just have to be prepared for the repercussions um, when they do until you're able to get back on track. Yeah. But that emergency fund will save you a million times. I mean, if, as long as you replenish it, but keep, you know, make that a priority starting now. Like you said, you have as a as a DOD employee, you said you have until the end of September before the chance of a shutdown for you guys um, comes up again. So make that your mission for the next however many, what is that, eight months um, to really shore up those those defenses of your own. Because that's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I call it my freedom fund because you're free, you're free to make choices, you're free to do what you want to do when you're not tied to that biweekly paycheck. I love that. Thanks for your question, Alana. Mm-hmm. Next question. Let's see. Okay, we'll call this listener Susan. Susan has a question about her scholarship money that she's getting for college. She says, I've been listening since I've listened to the podcast since my freshman year of college, and I'm in a far better financial standing because of your knowledge. Oh, thank you. I'm now a junior and have been filing my taxes since 2016 because I work. While I have a scholarship from a university, I also have outside scholarships to help me with room and board costs as well as books. Are these things I should be listing on my taxes? If so, how can I go back and file for those in previous years? I never received tax documents from these organizations, just the checks themselves, so I'm not sure what I should file. Any advice you have can, uh, any advice you can provide will be much appreciated, Susan. Good question. Yes. That's a question that has, you know, it really depends on what you're going to be using the scholarship money for. And as so long as you're getting these scholarships and you're using the money for eligible, God, I can't use English words today, eligible uh, education expenses, like you said, you're using it at room and board and books, um, they shouldn't be taxable. They should be non-taxable. If you're worried, you can always reach out to a tax preparer to get their opinion Um, In my opinion, if you haven't gotten any sort of tax form from those organizations, it probably is a good indication that there's nothing for you to worry about. Um, And certainly like in-school tuition scholarships, those are non-taxable. You don't have to worry. Um, I think the only time you have to worry when it comes to like college um, uh, funds that can be taxable is let's say you have student loan debt forgiven, then in some Mm -hmm. cases – that can be they can consider the amount that was forgiven as income and then you can get taxed on that but that doesn't sound like what you're dealing with now and i don't know if you have anything to add tiffany but i can i'll share a link to a story we have on studentloanhero.com which is really solid and has more details on sort of how the irs looks at scholarships um no honestly that's not my forte i was gonna say i never heard of um that that would be crazy um so I'm going to follow your lead on that one. But yeah, that would be crazy. Because I've, I've known people who've gotten like hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarship. Definitely forgiveness. I knew that. But like that would be crazy if the government was like, remember the year when they made swag for celebrities tax um, t- um taxable, like income? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was like, wow. Fair enough. Crazy. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> so I was like, you know, I mean, but I mean, that would be crazy. But let's just say I would never put it past them. So, you know, we'll see. One thing but that happened to me real quick in school is I did win an award, like a journal, a student journalism award that came with some money. And I got a tax form um, to account for that award on my 
um, taxes, which was fair because I didn't, it wasn't money that I was supposed to use or went directly to my school. I think I used it on like a vacation or something. Um, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. um, but on the, on the bright side, if you're in college, you should still be filing your taxes, even if you don't think that you're going to get a refund. Because I made that mistake when I was in school. I never filed my taxes because I was like, well, I'm not even earning that much money. There's no way that, um, you know, I, I'm going to get a refund back. But I should have been filing at the very least because I could have gotten back the tax, I was paying taxes out of my paycheck. So the federal tax dollars that you're, you're paying with your paycheck, um, they could, that could end up being a refund back to you. If, if it's true, like I was, you know, not getting paid enough to really earn, to, 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 uh, be taxed at all. So I missed out on some tax refund money. Oh, and you probably needed it the most back then. <sighs> I sure did. But let's not talk about my. I, I I went back and looked at like how much I earned in col in high school and in college or working part time, and I'm like, where did that money go though? Like it was fifteen thousand dollars <laughs> or something like that. Crazy. At the and you're outlet. like, what? Do I have a new life to show for it? Don't you just think back and you're like, oh, I can just only imagine how many thousands and thousands of dollars, like that, like Wendy's and McDonald's and. Joyce Leslie finagles out of my my little fingers. <laughs> they have Zaxby's up here yet? I don't think they do. No, I never heard of that. Is that is that like a Joyce Leslie? I don't know what that is, <laughs> but it <laughs> that's like a cheapy like it's like a Joyce cheapy, Leslie. What? Yeah, I know. It's a it's a cheapy like clothing store. Oh no, Zaxby's is a uh, the fried chicken spot that we would hit up after school. Mm, mm, the we just call that the chicken the chicken shack up here. Yum. Well, thank you all for your questions. Again, hit us up at brownambitionpodcast at gmail.com with your questions. It's time for boosting a break and a boost and a break and a boost and a break. I've been the boost. What about you, Mandra? I'm going to do a boost too. Quick boost. Okay. You want me to go first? Let me go first. Mine's really quick. I want to do okay. a quick boost to the classic film uh, 9 to 5, which I know Tiff always teases me about not being up on my historical uh, pop culture knowledge from the 80s. But I must say I, I've i loved like Grace and Frankie so much. Like I mm-hmm. didn't know a show about two old ladies left by their husbands who – found out that they were gay and, you know, in a relationship together for decades. I didn't know it would be so good, but I love the show. It's so funny. And, like, Lily Tomlin, who plays Frankie, was Miss Frizzle, who I didn't make that connection until I started Googling her after Grace and Frankie. And I was like, Miss Frizzle has a lube company. It's amazing. And Miss Frizzle, (laughs) like, makes old people vibrators. It's awesome. So I decided to go back and watch, like, their very first film they did together, which was 9 to 5, which, you know, with Dolly Parton, Jane Fonda, Lily Tomlin. It's about three, like, middle-aged women who are basically office secretaries. And Mm -hmm. I got to say, it's sad but true and kind of awesome but mostly sad that the movie is still so damn relevant. Like, I mean, this guy could have been named Harvey essentially Mm. their boss in the in the movie i mean it's really funny and fantastical but shout out to them for making that movie in the in the early 80s um i don't think there's anything like that even now so it was dope and i is is that the one the song working nine to five yeah yes dolly i'll learn the words eventually but you can watch that yourself on hulu if you have hulu that's where i found it good stuff yeah, I think I, I like Dolly Parton. 
There's actually a really good um, movie on uh, on uh, Netflix with called Dumpling, where it's like oh, the, the main character. Wasn't it so good? So cute. It was. I cute. know it was. I really liked it. It was. It was one of those I can't go to sleep, so I want like something really sweet to wear before I go to sleep. So I'm sleep to watch. And so it was so good. If you haven't watched Dumpling on Netflix, you're missing out. Big All girls, right. you are beautiful. Yes. Let's say yes. All right. So my boost actually is posted on our IG page. If you're not familiar, get familiar. Brown Ambition Podcast. You can find us on IG. Um, so let's see. So um, there's an article by the Washington Post, um, The Secret Success for Women, a new study advises that um, don't network like a man. So in the study, they found that 77% of the highest achieving women had strong ties with an inner circle of two to three other women. The lowest achieving women had a male dominant network and weaker ties with other women in their network. So you know what that means? It means that girl power is everything. Um, And so I can attest to that. Like, you know, like, my my closest um, network really is um, women, and we lean on each other, and you know we we help each other out. And so um, no, I think that that's just awesome because you know like they would have you believe that in order to get ahead, you have to kind of like think, maneuver, and and uh, connect yourself with men more so than women. So it's nice to know that that's not true. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think we talk about that a lot, but I feel like um, yeah, I mean there is the assumption that to get ahead, you have to be a certain way. But I just, I found this so motivating because it's what I've been, it's what I've just naturally always done, which is gravitate toward a small circle of women, professional women, um, you know, personal relationships with women. I just always have been more inclined to have a few really good relationships versus having a million associates and like getting coffee with people every day and that kind of thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was just really, for me, it just felt like, okay, I'm doing okay. And I think one of the reasons is that the the quality of my relationship relationships with women in my circles is so strong and you don't know where the people you know you're hanging out with in college are going to end up so to really invest in those relationships early it's like a form of investing you know I will say it's like an investment um, because as they rise hopefully if you have good relationships they will want to rise um, help you rise too, or mm-hmm. in, in turn, like you can be the one helping them. And then that may pay dividends. You know, I don't know where I'll be a decade from now. Maybe I'll be out of a job. And then I'm like, Hey, Tiffany, like I need, you know, can I be the, you know, the whatever at the budget needs to ink. Um, and hopefully she give me a job, but that those types of relationships mean so, so much. <laughs> you were very we'll quiet see. when I said, I, I'm very I'm gonna qualified. Re- <laughs> yeah, I'm going to review your resume because, you know, I'm not really sure. No, I'm just joking. You were too quiet. I was <laughs> yeah, oh, I sweating. No, honestly, I was looking. I was like, oh, I was looking at all the awesome responses under the picture. Honestly, I really love when you guys hit us up on social. Um, and so, yeah, our Instagram is Brown Ambition. Yeah, Brown Ambition Podcast. So please continue that. We love when you hit us up there because it just makes us realize that, you know, there's a community out there. Sometimes, you know, most times, honestly, it's just me and Mandy talking. Sometimes we have to forget and we're like, wait, we should start recording, you know, (laughs) Um, because, you know, we're friends in real life. And so it's just nice to know that we have other friends. I can't, I didn't even tell you, Mandy, like the other day I was, um, I met with Dreamcatchers in New York to just go hang out. And uh, a friend of mine has a, um, a a business, um, a a juice, um, kind of like, I guess a juice restaurant, juicing restaurant, healthy restaurant, smoothie restaurant. And so, um, one friend gave me this idea that you make a run on black businesses. So you basically call all of your friends and say, Hey, we're going to support this business today. So we did that with the dream catches in New York. It was like 50 women 
came to this juice bar and we all ordered like, you know, a juice or salad or whatever. It just gave her a lot of business and exposure. Um, and then we just got to hang out. And so one of the women was like, I'm going to give you a hug. This is for Mandy. I know you don't hug, but Mandy does. And I just thought like, oh, I just Aww. love that. <laughs> I know that. You- <laughs> That's how they get you. It's for Mandy. <laughs> So, like, I just love that you guys do that, that, like, when you see me out, that you're like, tell Mandy I said hi. Give Mandy this hug. Sorry, girl. You're just going to have to pass it on through. So it just makes me feel really good to know that we've got this dope listenership that you guys have been riding with us for, like, over three years now, right? Yeah, it's kind of crazy. I know. Like, literally, I remember when we went on our first little, you know, rendezvous walk in New, New Orleans and getting to know each other, like, hey, hey, how you doing? I'm good. And then next thing you know, we have a podcast. <laughs> Just two women making something happen. I know. Let me, uh, let's read some of the comments from our listeners, like on the post. Yes. yes let's do that. My bad. I was supposed to do that. Um. Uh, I'm just help. I'm just helping you back to mother earth. <laughs> All right. So, um, um, Tatiana neck one says lately, everything I do goes to tell me how important my circle is. I've gone through so many years, either with no circle or the wrong circle. I'm working on myself and my new circle of friends and business associates. I want my network to be beneficial and prosperous for each of us in the circle. Thank you for this information. It definitely explains a lot. Oh, that's awesome, Tatiana. So, yeah, I mean, you guys left really awesome comments. You're tagging your friends in this, saying that I feel like you do this already. I see this old just flash. She's like, I love this. That's how we will make it all happen. So, yeah, it's just been, um, yeah, it's just... I just love the response to this post and just keeping in mind that you don't have to be less woman in order to be successful. As a matter of fact, the more woman you are, meaning like standing in how you show up, um, the more successful you're likely to be. Yeah. Well, thank y'all. On the Instagram, you can hit us up. It's at Brown Ambition Podcast on the gram. And on Twitter, we are at the BA Podcast. We're also on Facebook. So yeah, Brown Ambition on Facebook. So reach out. We love to hear from y'all. We love y'all forever. You guys are all right. <laughs> Mandy loves you. <yeah. laughs> I'd hug you on the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. She wouldn't. I would awkwardly stand beside and wave and be like, "Please don't touch me." That's no, fine. I mean, I would hug, but you know, under duress. Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.